meeting Jesus. Then we'll have our, not yet, just hold it. No, this isn't the girl one. Looks like the boy is about to come up. <laughs> okay, 1 Peter 3, 15, 16. Looking forward to how we'll put this into, into action today. So, But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. Keeping a clear conscience so that those who speak maliciously against your good behaviour in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. Well, hello everyone. It's good to be at church. It's good to be reflecting over, over stories already. And uh, now I was just bringing that board around. Uh, but the title today, as we continue on this concept of the power of story, and I hope you got one of these flyers on the way in. There are a few gaps to fill in as we go through, um, trying to get out the points of what our story is all about. But there is something about story that gets our attention. Something about a story, a good story that impacts us. Maybe we can relate to the people in the story. Maybe those stories have that real punch, that punchline in the story that, that captivates us. Well, stories, without a doubt, have that power in them. They speak to us. And so, as, the, uh, as we think about being these walk-across-the-room people who walk to others, we walk towards others. The reminder is, is that as we go, we should be ready to say something. We should be prepared in ourselves to tell stories. And the first point to jot down on our sheet today is that stories and the words used to tell them are powerful. It says that on the board. Stories and the words used to tell them are powerful. So if I was to do a quick survey of everyone here, I think that we would actually be able to work out more parables of Jesus and their points than I think that we could work out teachings of Jesus and their points. I think the reality is, is that there is something about stories that stick with us and they have something that really speaks to us in them. I don't know if you've thought about a story that's impacted you recently, but they do. I think back of a story I actually read in a, a compassion magazine that came out. And I was reading about this child overseas in a poor country. I can't actually remember which country it was. But this poor child, they, had to, uh, they were starving. And what they resorted to was finding rat holes and they were digging out these rat burrows and they found the rice granules in the rice in, from the rat barrow to eat. That was their food for that day or that week. Um, they, they called it the rat rice. And as I read that story, I was just like, that's awful. I was, I was moved by that story and I couldn't get past that image and I felt I wanted to do something in response, so I, I did give some money towards the charity. But the reality is, is that story impacted me. And stories do that. They're powerful. And so I want us 
to be mindful that we should be ready to tell God's story. The good news that we know and have come to know. God has a story, learn to tell it well. That's the second point to jot down on our sheets as it's up there. God has a story, learn to tell it well. We just had that reading from 1 Peter 3.15 and it says that we should be ready to give an answer for the hope that we have. We should be ready to tell when people ask us, as we're walking across the room, we should be ready to tell something of God's story, of Jesus, the great gift we've received and that great gift we want to pass on. So last week, Noah said there was one way, there was a practical way of telling that story and that was talking about Four different elements coming together, creation, fall, redemption and hope. Linked into creation, who am I? With fall, what's wrong with me? With redemption, what will make it right? And hope, what I'm looking for, I'm looking forward to. Does that ring a bell with someone here? Remember that? We talked about that last week. We could sit down with that with someone in a piece of paper and we could talk about that. And talk about how Jesus is the answer to those things. I've got a very simple illustration to run through now. A very practical tool that we could do with others. Uh, In some of the Bible studies, I talked about this. One of the Bible studies, it's the bridge illustration that you've probably seen before. And it's a very simple illustration. It starts with drawing two sides with a big gulf between. Or a big gap, a big chasm. And there's people on one side... And there is God on the other. And try as we might to get close of God, there is that gap between us. Whether that be from our mistakes or our failings, in the Bible we call the, the gap between us that results from sin. And people try as they want to get close to our, our holy God. We can never get there through our own efforts. Our efforts never bridge the gap. But God in His love, in His great love, He sent His Son, Jesus, and Jesus died to make a way to bridge that gap. He's the one that died on the cross to pay for our sins, and He bridges that gap for us. And that simple illustration can be used, and we can say, well, where do you sit with Jesus? Do you believe in Him? If you were to put yourself somewhere in relation to Jesus and accepting Him and being at peace with God, where would you put yourself? And we can actually ask people where they sit in relation to this story and being close to God and accepting in Jesus. There's a beautiful Bible verse that matches this one perfectly. In John chapter 5, verse 24, I tell you the truth, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not be condemned. He has crossed over from death to life. Do you think you could do this with someone? It's not very hard, is it? And yet powerful imagery, a simple drawing, a bit of a story. It's talking about God's story in a very simple way. Another one that is so simple that uh, maybe you've seen or heard before. Two, you can write two words on a piece of paper or a napkin even. Do versus done. This simple uh, point is to say, well, sometimes people think religion's all about do. That uh, the whole Christian journey or the religious journey is all about doing. We do things to impress God. And somehow by doing, we earn God's favour. But in Christianity, it's the exact opposite of that. We look to the done. We look to the fact that Jesus has done it all. He died on the cross for us. 
He paid that penalty for us and he has done it all. So we believe in him. And so it's about what has been done. And that simple illustration, that's what, 30 seconds? And you can get that simple point across. That's not all about doing. These are simple tools that we can use as we sit down with someone at the right time. I'm sure that we could all do this with someone. And there's other tools that you can, that you can learn just like this, but two simple ones that we could have a go at as we're walking across the room. And so God has a story and you have a story. We talked about this last week and we're going to start talking about how to tell our story well. Because you know what? We can go and see with someone and we can tell our story. We can catch up with someone, put all this hard work in and walk in across the room and then it can get to the stage when they say, oh, tell me something about your faith. And we can tell our story really badly. We can really put them off and just say, well, look, I was a little bit warm to, about Christianity, but now actually after hearing your story, I'm like not interested at all. <laughs> so I think our words can be powerful in both ways. And so we're going to watch, it's a little bit humorous, a little video from Bill Hybels uh, that we're going to pull up about, yeah, we'll move the board out of, this, out of the way, about some bad storytelling, uh, what not to do, whether they're long-winded stories or fuzzy or... Uh, Anyway, we're going to get there. It's a little bit humorous. It's a bit of a mock situation, but uh, we'll have a look at this. Everybody loves a story, a personal story. It's just kind of that human interest thing that we all tend to respond to very well. So uh, if someone in a relational context at a party or any other place says, hey, you want to hear a story about the time I did this or this thing happened to me? My reaction to that is, tell me your story. I'd, I'd love to hear it. Well, let's be very clear about something. It's quite possible to tell your faith story in a terrible way. <laughs> I mean, in a way that makes people want to run for the doors. And uh, I've been in many settings where people didn't know who I was and they wanted to tell me their faith story. And as I was listening to some folks tell me their faith story, I remember thinking, if I weren't a Christian, I'd become an avowed non-Christian after hearing your story. Stories get derailed in, in a number of different ways. Here's the thing. I didn't realize how screwed up I was until I met this guy at the train station. But before I get to that, I, I've got to give you a little bit about my background. Almost every faith story that has been told to me has been way longer than it should have been. Sometimes I think my clothing is going to go out of fashion by the time they finish the story. Even after that, I still had a wild and crazy upbringing. Like, take my school bus rides, for example. Get to the point. Why did you pursue a faith experience? What happened? What's changed? And mercifully end the story. You know, someone can always ask you a follow-up question. You know, I met my wife there. Oh, she was a real looker. Do not oversupply and kill the demand. <laughs> I 
think I've always believed in something, or wanted to believe in something. I think humans have a deep need to believe. You know, there's a longing for significance and meaning. Unlike the animal kingdom, you know, dogs and apes and gerbils. <laughs> Another thing that just drives me crazy is when someone is telling me their faith story and they're not clear. They go on and on and I go, in my mind, I, I say to myself, well, be specific. What did actually happen? But we've got this spirit force in us that's longing to be tapped and set free. Shoot straight. Make it clear to me so that when you're done with your story, I, I kind of know the deal. I know the facts. I, I know exactly what you went through. If you fuzz around the whole thing, uh, th there's really no clarity for me to, to reckon with after you're done with your story. This guy comes up and sits right next to me and starts talking to me. I mean, you don't talk to people on the train that you don't know, right? <laughs> I pray all the time now. I pray for friends like you, you know, whose, whose lives are going nowhere. I pray for understanding that God will help me know what's wrong with people so that you know, I can be a lifesaver for them. If a story starts with any air of superiority, I'm done. I don't want to listen to it. I'm giving up a storm. <laughs> yeah, just ask my kids. Uh, they'll say that you know, I am the primo dad of the universe. Let's ask my church, ask them who donated the money for the new wing. If a person starts out saying, well, obviously, you know, I kind of know something that you don't, and I've experienced something that you haven't, and I know the right way, and you probably don't, again, as the listener, I'm done. I don't need you being superior to me, and uh, most people really don't like the feeling of being demeaned or devalued. Oh, wait, where, where was I? Oh, oh, yeah, yeah, my school bus driver. So, anyway. Thou shalt also be a crown of glory in the hand of the Lord, a royal diadem in the hand of God. Thou shalt no longer be termed forsaken. When I hear someone tell a faith story, and it's filled with religious terminology, I really wonder if they've thought through the, uh, the condition of the listener. Does that listener really understand the terms that we get familiar with in uh, religious circles? Thou shalt be called Hesphapah, <laughs> and thy land Beulah, the Lord delighted in thee. I think we have to work much harder to describe our faith story using the kind of terms that everybody uses in regular everyday conversation. Now it takes discipline to do that. And I often encourage people to actually write out their faith story, word for word, not to commit it to memory, but to expunge the religious jargon from it. But he says he's gonna buy me a ticket. And who turns down a free ticket, right? So I go and I had a great time. You know, I mean, uh, there was no, no drugs, no booze. <laughs> You know, somewhere in the Bible it talks about being nice to strangers because you don't know. They could be angels. 
<laughs> yeah, that's happened to me. And whatever you do, do not tell your weird God story when you're communicating your faith story to someone else. I mean, all of us have some bizarre thing that's happened to us that we think maybe God arranged. We saw stars that were aligned in a certain way and saw a cross. Or yeah, I've heard a hundred weird God stories. I was in Starbucks once talking to a person. I paid my bill, turned around, he was gone. Now that was an angel. It had a huge impact on me. Oh, and our dreams. Oh, I have lots of dreams. You can tell them in closed session among Christ followers. Okay, don't lead with that card when you're describing your faith to someone who has no faith. And you've got to pay attention to that because God is speaking to you. He's reaching out to you right in the middle of the night. It's just bizarre. It, it's not the central thrust of the Christian message that we're trying to communicate. So you know what I ended up doing? Flipping burgers. <laughs> at 22 years old. And what the heck am I doing? You know, I used to ask myself that question every night. And what the heck am I doing? Uh, what, what, where am I going with my life? What's, what's life about anyway? You know what I mean? Stop, I've had enough. <laughs> no more stories like that. Stories can be powerful if they're told right. Stories like that can do more harm than good. We can do better. I think when someone's telling Okay, I hope you got a few tips there, a bit of tongue-in-cheek, a bit of fun. Any uh, stories that maybe you've heard relate to some of these where they haven't been told so well? They are a bit fuzzy, a bit long, a bit weird, a bit full of religious talk. But we're getting to the point of getting to the stage of, well, what stories should we tell? And a great way forward is a simple before and after story. I know some of the Bible study groups had a go at this last week as I was visiting. We had a look at telling a clear, simple, brief and humble story, that before and after picture. Um, and so, that can be very powerful. And it, it started with us actually thinking about the before, a few adjectives, a few describing words of what we were like before we knew Jesus. And then we move into the, the after before, Jesus, after. Very simple and yet they can be very powerful because they talk about the work of God. Maybe we could tell a story um, or I could tell a story about striving. I was striving for pleasure, for money, to be successful. But that left me feeling empty. I found the truth in Jesus and now I'm grateful. I am grateful for what he's done. Maybe we could say, I was self-destructed, self-destructive. I had enough and I turned to drugs and, and that was trying to bring me pleasure, but it didn't work. I turned to Jesus and now I'm healthy. I've been made whole again. Maybe our story we would tell is, I was guilty. I was feeling guilty. I let people down. I was mucking up big time. I realized that I'd hurt a lot of people. Deep down, I also came to realize that I'd let God down. Then I turned to Jesus Christ. I found forgiveness and now I've been set free, liberated. I'm a new person. Praise be to God. 
Maybe we would say that I was full of fear. I was so worked up about what other people were thinking. I actually felt I couldn't do much well at all. I was in this place of fear. But then I met Jesus and my life turned around. I've been accepted by God and now I'm confident in Him. I step forward trusting Him. Maybe our story is that I was despairing. I was down in the dumps. I'd been hurt by this world and I was not sure where to turn. Someone pointed me to Jesus and now I have eternal hope. I'm hopeful. Simple before and after stories. They don't have to be long and yet they can have the truth of God working to change us. We're going to watch the second half of that video all about telling a before and after story. Telling a faith story. What the listener wants to know is, um, what were you like before your religious experience happened? What kind of led up to that? What was the experience and how did it change you? So it really is kind of the classic before and after. The Apostle Paul in the New Testament, when he was put on trial for being a Christian, for spreading his faith, he just looked at the people in the jury box, if you will, and he said, here's what I was like. Here's the kind of man I was. Prideful and uh, overly aggressive, mean-spirited. I was out to wreck people. I met Jesus Christ in a personal, powerful way. And that old person is gone now. And here's the work that Christ is doing in my life now. And he just silenced the whole court. Before Christ, I'm a new man now. When the opportunity arises for me to tell my story, I just say it very simply. I grew up thinking that I had to perform and achieve and impress a God who I knew I had disappointed. But there was never a sense of when I had done enough, performed enough, achieved enough for God. And then I stumbled into the story of grace. I found out that what Christ did for me on the cross was enough for me to be made right with God. And when I learned that and opened my life up to it, the peace that passes human understanding, I mean, it's hard to describe, came flooding into my life. And uh, I've been living differently, experiencing life differently ever since. A well-told story can be a powerful tool in pointing people to faith. For some people, the story is materialism, greed, money, Christ. Then it's generosity, love, serving. I was all about the next deal. I only bothered with personal relationships when they could further my career. Somehow, though, I got introduced to Jesus Christ and my priorities went haywire. Everything turned upside down, which really surprised my wife and kids. After all these years, I'm finally getting it right. Did you hear how clear that was? Just before Christ, 
after. For some people, it's image, uh, beauty, um, wanting to be the center of attention. Then it's Christ, and then it's giving of yourself to others and being less wound up in yourself. A 40-year-old cheerleader isn't all that appealing. It's actually obnoxious, but that's who I'd become. But then a girlfriend of mine took a chance and gave me a book. It's about finding your identity in God. That shattered my whole world and changed all my ideas about what life was really about. It's such a shift for me, but I finally feel like the real me is surfacing. Brevity. Just saying it and ending it. Let people ask follow-up questions, but, oh, be brief. For other people, it's like hatred and uh, internal firestorm of anxiety and all of that. Christ and then love of another kind. I was angry at everything, everybody, including God. The way I figured it, the world owed me big time and I wasn't getting my due. After finding Christ, though, an amazing thing happened. My new Christian friends showed me real love and compassion. And for the first time, I was able to be real with people. Humility. It just disarms people. The, the, the genuineness of a story told from the heart. Who can argue with that? But whatever it is, you got to relive what, it, what, it, what really happened to you. What was leading up to the faith experience and how are you different on the other side? Okay, I hope you picked up a few points there. Does anyone want to have a go coming up and telling a simple before and after story right now? Margaret, come up. We'll see how, we, how she goes. Brief, to the point, before and after. We'd love to hear it. Okay, where's the other microphone? Is that uh, Peter? I hope I get this right, David. <laughs> Have a go. I lived with self-pity. Self-pity for years. Poor me and what I had had to live through and put up with. And then I met Jesus and I was invited um, with some ladies to go to a weekend and, um, and there I was just simply told about Jesus. I'd always been to Sunday school, and, but I didn't know Jesus. But I met Jesus that weekend and I've had peace ever since. Oh, well done. That was spot on and a powerful test to us, to it. Does anyone else want to have a, have a go in the before and after? No, that's fine. Well, maybe at morning too, have a go at uh, a before and after with those around us. What we were like before, meeting Jesus and then after. And you know what? We'd love to hear from you here at church. We'd love for you to actually write down your before and after story. I know some practice it at Bible study, but I'd love for you to put it down in 100 words or less 
put it down in an email and send it to myself or Noah and we'd love to read through those before and afters and give you a few pointers. Not so much that you could have it off by heart but a bit like, like Margaret, just be ready to, to go and share something of about that before and after. David, you want to come and have a go? Here we go. I grew up in a Christian home, but I used to feel that I was very much a loner. I felt that everyone was sort of against me. Still do. (laughs) And um, I got to the stage where I just wasn't happy with myself. And I had the opportunity um, when I was at Q Church, Q Baptist Church, the Christian Endeavour Superintendent had a talk to me. And what he said to me made me realise that I could have a friend, a saviour, one who wanted me to be like him. And I gave my life to Christ. And from then on, I'm not perfect. All of you here will tell me that. But... I realised that in spite of the troubles and things that happened to me through my life, that God was my friend and loved me and want to see the best for me. Well done. I'm impressed, David, because when we practised that last week, uh, we were struggling to get that under two minutes, but uh, you did very well there uh, that, and, and spot on to the point. Well done. Uh, There's there's a power in the genuineness of these stories uh, in what's been taking place. Well, please take up that offer to to have a go and uh, send in an email or talk to someone over morning tea. I would love to receive your 100 word story. So I'm just going to pray for us right now. Uh, Father, we want to thank you that you are a God who does change lives. We want to thank you that there is a power in story. Help us, Lord, to come to realise how to tell our story well. May you lead us in doing that. And Lord, if it's a before and after story, Lord, help us to be able to tell that well. Lord, help us to to be a blessing to those around us with the stories we tell. And Lord, our desire is to see our friends, our family come to know you, to come to find the goodness of Jesus. So help us in this task, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. So as I said, we do have one more story to quickly go through. And yes, it is another video. Uh, this story isn't quite as brief. It is three minutes, not, <laughs> not the two minutes David's talking about. Uh, and I will say, again, it does have the reference to a suicide in it. So if you find that's an uncomfortable thing, um, it'll be time just to duck out. We'll look at this quickly. It's John's story. started when I was 10 years old. Uh, my mom uh, committed suicide on Christmas Day. And um, after then, I was just kind of never really was taught anything about who God was. And I was sitting there in just the thought process and just thinking of 
like, why should I believe in God? Like, when he would take my only mother, and I really don't want to believe in hell because that just seems like it really is, just sucks. So, um, I just, I don't know, I, I had no idea. I didn't know what it meant to believe in God or the devil. So the only person I knew to ask uh, was my father. So I ended up going walking into the kitchen and I asked him, I was like, you know, Dad, what does, what does it mean when you don't believe in God or the devil? And he was like, son, it means you're atheist. Just don't tell your grandmother. <laughs> so, and that was pretty much the end of that. And then after that, I was just, that was it. I had no thought of God. I had no thought of the devil. I was just, it was just nothing, just me living. And that's pretty much just where that was. My dad had remarried. Um, we had moved to a uh, different part of Houston, uh, the south side of Houston, which was a pretty bad neighborhood and a pretty bad area. And uh, I ended up getting uh, jumped a couple of times from walking to the schoolyard to my house every other afternoon to where uh, really just got fed up with it and had no choice but to uh, join them and end up uh, joining a gang and just getting into trouble and just doing really, really just stupid stuff from breaking into houses to drinking and just partying and just messing up. I just remember this night, my, my buddy asked me to go to his uh, his girlfriend's house to hang out with him. And so we brought the whole group over and we're all hanging out. And uh, I remember walking upstairs um, and just looking over to a room and this little Avril Lavigne punk rock chick was sitting there reading the Bible and I didn't really understand it at all. Um, so I really wanted to know. I think that my heart really was just, you know, what's, why is this girl reading the Bible and, and what's this all about? So I asked her, I was like, why do you, you know, why do you read the Bible? And she was like, you know, do you want to talk about it? And I was like, yeah. So we ended up going downstairs in the living room away from everybody. And now she pretty much gave me her testimony about how she, you know, came to accept Christ in her life. And she was, as she was reading this book, I don't even remember what was going on. All I remember is feeling is just my heart really accepting that Jesus was my Lord and Savior and that my whole body was just flushed out with the Holy Spirit. All my sins, everything was just gone. It's all about being real. It's about being truthful. And it's not trying to put on a front. Um, and it's not being about uh, how religious you could be. It's just about that, you know, we know who Jesus is. We know who he is in our lives, and that we accept that. I think it's amazing. But it wasn't exactly what I thought you know, to become a Christian, that everything was going to be awesome and peachy and, and beautiful. Sometimes it gets dark, and sometimes it gets light. I just know that God's my healer through anything. So there's John's story, um, that wonderful story in a way, and that a, a, a girl reading the Bible and she was ready to testify when asked, which was what the verse was about. So that was great. Okay, um, David, you want to just 